Looks like we're live. We did it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. I'm Yati Crozier, and joined by Marty Sleever, as usual. Hello, everyone. Oh, we've got a new target. Casey and Marty play the Half-Life series. What? They haven't played the Half-Life series? Marty has played the Half-Life series. Casey never played the Half-Life games. Man, call ourselves game journalists. <laughs> fake, fake game journos. Uh, yeah, we finished up Metal Gear Solid 4 uh, on Thursday. You finished Metal Gear Solid 4? We did. We we got to we got to watch like a 90-minute movie. It was great. It was really nice. Casey had popcorn. It was perfect. Must be nice. Anyway, uh, this week on Slightly Something Else, we are discussing the subject of spiritual sequels and if they've ever surpassed the original games. And uh, there's already been some debate in the chat of what we mean by this. So just yeah. to clarify, we specifically mean those uh, surprisingly common cases where a creator loses control of the of an original IP that they're associated with, mm -hmm. and then go, usually go to Kickstarter or something like that, and then say, hey, come and fund my new game, wink. It's a yeah. new IP, wink. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, because there's, like, if you really wanted to, like, dig in the, the nitty-gritty of a spiritual sequel, like, people could be like, oh, Halo, because it's a spiritual successor to Marathon, or yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark Souls, because it's a spiritual successor to Demon Souls, which arguably, felt like a successor to... Arguably, everything's a spiritual successor to everything else, because that's, that's uh, you know, causality. Things happen after other things. That is true. Yeah, the, once the first domino fell down, everything else fell down because of it. But, um, yeah, we were very much thinking of... Uh, you know, you could see the games that were in the art. And obviously this is spurred from uh, the Callisto Protocol. Callisto Protocol. Um, made, yeah, made we won't by, be going. Made by one of the creators of Dead Space and mm -hmm. basically shamelessly a Dead Space ripoff. But, I, is uh, it, if you make something, do you have to be ashamed to, uh, to, to just copy from it whole cloth? Well, I think even if, you know, it's your own thing, there's a little bit of shame in just recreating it again. Yeah. That, that yeah. feels a bit lazy, you know? Uh, but yes, let's let's list off yeah. the examples. Mighty Number no. Nine, created by uh, the creator of Mega Man, uh, Bloodstained, yeah. uh, Ritual of the Night, created by uh, the creator of uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Ukulele, uh -huh. uh, by the creators of Banjo Kazooie, Back yeah. for Blood, the creators of Left for Dead, uh, Balan Wonderworld, yeah. a spiritual sequel to Nights into Dreams, oh, No, uh, uh, Phoenix yeah, Point, Phoenix Point, spiritual sequel to XCOM. Oh, that's right, yeah. By Julian Gollop. Um, yeah, you you see uh, stuff like uh, upcoming games, like the Iodin Chronicles, which is a lot of the Suikoden team um, doing their own Kickstarted version oh, of Suikoden. Oh, thanks. Thank uh, you for the weeb example there. Uh, uh, I'll give you two weeb examples. World's okay. End Club, which was a spiritual successor to Danganronpa, your favorite game. Oh, yeah. That one. That, my favorite <laughs> game I have never played, but I just love hearing about it. You do, you do love it, yeah. But I think it's fair to say that the the pattern is that these things are more consistently poorly received. Yeah, it feels like there's an inevitable, like the Sonic cycle, it feels like there's an inevitable cycle where these things get announced and people are like, holy shit, I am excited for this thing. And then, like you mentioned, a lot of them are crowdfunded and they get astronomical numbers. People people jump on, they break Kickstarter records, like that Iodin Chronicles that I just mentioned, the uh, Suikoden one, like made millions and millions of dollars on Kickstarter. Um, because people are very much, I think, in that moment, um, you know, they're driven by nostalgia. And they're like, I liked this thing well, yes. 20 years ago, and I want more of it now. It is, as we say, shameless. 
Yes. And it's the sort of thing that would that feels like gaming kickstarted a little bit. Because, of course, you know, it's, as I think I've said before, if you ask people what they want, they will say, we want what we already like, but mm -hmm. more of it. Yeah. And I think that is often a misguided approach. Because, um, in my experience, no one really anticipates what the next big thing is going to be. Because no one really knows what they want. They just They just know they like it when they see it. Yeah, it's well. Also, I think people um, people don't realize that certain things kind of succeed in in their uh, era. context. Yeah, yes. in a context of place and time, and other things that were around it, and maybe doing something for the first time uh, or having less competition, um, yeah. and trying to transpose that now, especially about a lot of these same creators um, who are kind of just like haven't really grown from that original idea you know it's very yeah. different than the newer games that are younger creators inspired by the works of those original games but reframing them in a in a new context and if you and then like the the fans who funded it play it and they're always inevitably disappointed because it's just hey it's the same thing again i mean i know that we said we said that's what we wanted but it turns out we didn't actually want that yeah so is like, it, what, what, is this an example of, like, you can never go home again? Is it the kind of thing that, I like, think so, this thing yeah. will always be better in your mind than it there's, is? In, there's the number of times I've, like, replayed a game I remember enjoying and then played for the first hour and then get to one of the dodgy bits and then think, oh, I'm bored. I just wanted to play the nice bits I remember, not all of this crap. Oh, that is funny. I do... I feel like I'm able... If I enjoyed a game 20, 30 years ago, I can mostly go back to it and still still replay it and enjoy it while still griping over the the you know wrinkles that maybe didn't stand out so much then hmm. um but it's it feels like it's when a game is tried to you try to pull a game through time and you try yeah. to have something like that that was prevalent in the late 80s and early 90s like Mega Man and like that kind of formula and that idea and then try to just do that without any of the charm or the history yeah. of the original without any you get something the, like Mighty Number no. yeah. 9 yeah without any of the uh the visual appeal of the originals that we it always feels like like our brain is saying this is fake because it doesn't look like the thing we remember and inevitably they try to bring the graphics up to date when the yeah. success story with this sort of thing has always been shit like uh, Mega Man 9 and uh, Sonic Mania that mm -hmm. deliberately you know uses the exact same art style of the thing you liked and remembered Sonic Mania is a great example of uh, recreating something so it looks like how it looked in your mind I mean there's a yeah. lot of graphical updates in Sonic Mania there's like like a, twice as many animation frames basically every standard animation but you play it and you just feel like you're playing Sonic the first time on the Genesis back when you were a kid because it's that's yeah. it's how you remember it you remember it being nice looking nicer than it was yeah that is definitely one thing if you go back you know because that pretty much at any point when you were playing games you were like oh wow this is the best thing I've ever seen because as games uh you know progress they they progressively got better and better but then if you go back and revisit like I remember having fond nostalgia for the for shooters on the N64, and now when you go back, you're like, oh my god, they should never have put a first-person game on this, if, unless it was made by Rare, because the, the frame rate and the draw distance and the weird trying to control a character in first person using the analog stick and the in the C buttons was like, 
that is something that definitely that is a thing that exists better uh in in sort of the the bright spots of your memory than in actually going back to revisit it maybe the negative response is all is sort of almost uh, a negative response to yourself as much as to the game it's it's yeah it's like you reminded me that i can never go home again as you said yeah so what you, you, like you exposed the lie of my nostalgia because it's the same thing <laughs> and it's just not as fun yeah and i guess no one wants that right like no one wants to have like yeah. little uh, uh pinholes poked in their in the helium balloon of their joyful memories and that's what these uh that's what these games are doing now when you start well, seeing this well let's not say it's a universal thing do you think there have been ones that have worked i can think of one that i would say worked i do yeah i think is bloodstain the one you're that's thinking? the one yeah Bloodstained and ritual of the night by um igarashi igarashi yeah yeah i was about to say yuji naka i know uh, he's a huge in jail. racist i get no. all these japanese people confused. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about yuji naka anymore he's in jail Koji Igarashi, um, yes i remember now yeah um yeah and while that didn't i don't think it's necessarily better than symphony of the night because i hold symphony of the night in extremely high regard i think it is the one that was like oh you understood what made the original work and um modernize yeah. it in ways that you know makes it incredibly playable and, and genuinely enjoyable i think that was probably singularly a case where it worked because the symphony of the night formula is just something that you always want more of i mean uh, yeah. you actually brought out a bunch of uh symphony of the night inspired castlevania games that are all really fun to play uh -huh. aria of sorrow dawn of sorrow uh portrait of ruin uh -huh. uh, order of ecclesia and then Castlevania, as a large, as a broader franchise, kept trying to make the 3D thing happen, and it just wasn't going to happen. Castlevania, yeah, the, Lords of the, the Shadow and 64. N64, yeah, before that, the N64 ones were really bad. Lords of Shadow was just another God of War ripoff amid mm -hmm. several of its time. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, that's sort of Bloodstained worked because it was filling a niche that had been left behind. People always want more Metroidvanias. I mean, look at the indie. Look at oh, the indie yeah. Metroidvanias that are constantly coming out. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at Symphony of the Night, and I guess, you know, Super Metroid uh, in the same respect, like, those might be two of the most influential games of the 90s, just in, in how that sort of lock and key design mentality is all over the indie space. And you see it in AAA games. Like, you see the Arkham games kind of, you know, Arkham, Arkham yeah. Asylum tries to adapt that into the 3D formula. Yeah, Souls-likes, I've often felt yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 3D Metroidvanias to me. Yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, absolutely. In their level design. I would say Bloodstained feels a bit messy. It feels a bit kitchen sinky. It's definitely, yeah. I mean, your character, it's like, do you want to use guns? Do you want to yeah. use swords? Do you want to use magic? It, it feels like it's every idea they had and not constrained by whatever Konami producer was like, well, you have to hit this release date. Um, Which is and, what and, people and, wanted. And, it's everything that worked from Symphony of the Night, Aria of Sorrow, Order of Ecclesia all the ones people liked mushed together into one big game so now we can just get that and not have to constantly emulate and replay the others yeah and it got consistent updates like like you know they they just kept updating it with things and then they made that um like 8-bit inspired uh spin-off game that was mm. kind of like a prologue to it that felt more like old uh, classic traditional castlevania um and so yeah it feels like that is like the that's the case where that succeeded 
where Mighty Number no. Nine was like not only a big failure in terms of a game, but its whole Kickstarter campaign was like a mess and not delivering on the promises and and rewards and yeah, there's a lot I mean, of I guess dra- that's a whole different bag of worms. Kickstarter generates a lot of drama even before the game comes out. As I think I've said yeah. before, the problem with Kickstarter is it's basically a green lighting process, but where the concept of expertise and experience and common sense are sort of subtracted from the equation. It's just enough people want it, so now we have to make it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's also tough because I feel like with Kickstarter, there's like a sense of ownership that people have. Like, I gave X amount of money to this, so in turn, you owe me a good game. You know, whereas Kickstarter yeah. is ostensibly just you pre-ordering it. And so it's no different than if you go to GameStop and pre-order a new Borderlands game and it comes out and you don't like it. I don't know. That's not you. You have no. You have no leg to stand on. They like, should have. On you. They should have made it better because I pre-ordered it. Yeah, that's the logic. <laughs> I gave you my money. Why didn't you do this? You should me? have used the money I gave you to make the game better. Yeah. Isn't that what pre-orders are for? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Has, has there ever been a case of games sort of like letting you pre-order really early on and using the pre-order money to fund the development of the game, except in a Kickstarter I mean, context? is so one game that came to mind with this is star citizen which uh, in itself is because uh, it's chris roberts and that was he's the guy who did like wing commander right and yeah still so a pretty clear cut case of crowdfunding though yeah but it feels like that game keeps bringing in money and the game isn't coming out and now there's that squadron 42 thing like it, it, to me that just feels like history's history's smartest ponzi scheme it's starting to feel like um, a cult now I feel like if the game ever came out, people would be disappointed just because, you know, it breaks the routine. Nick the status quo, what, the status quo is that buddies, this game will never come out, and everyone's happy with that, apparently. I think Nick Attest, one of his buddies, has put a shit ton of time and money into the game and loves it. And I'm like, this seems fake. Like, I don't think that's real. I don't think anyone has actually put a shit ton of time into this game. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Um, Yeah, and then we also had, there's also examples of time into waiting for the game. I guess that, that is true, and that's I guess that's part of the game in and of itself. Uh, there's also examples of uh, you know creators kind of losing a license and being like, "Well, we can you know make this own, but you know what? We can make our own thing. We don't have to make a thing that's directly a sequel to that old thing." Um, you know, you have the long and strange relationship of like Wasteland to Fallout to the mm-hmm. Outer Worlds. Um, and, and where it's like a team clearly like this is the evolution that this team wanted to do, but because of uh, legal and IP rights, they had to kind of navigate that in a strange way. And that's how, you know, back for blood felt with, you know, turtle rock who had made left for dead too, but didn't have the left for dead rights tried to make this thing. And it just felt kind of soulless. Yeah. Also back for blood felt a lot messier than left for dead. I mean, that almost feels like an inevitability of the Kickstarter format because you have to promise so much. You have to say, we're going to do this, this, this. If we reach the stretch goals, we're going to put this, this, this that we've just pulled out of our ass in there as well. And yeah. it sort of precludes uh, the sort of elegance in game design that I always prefer. I mean, Left 4 Dead yeah. is a very elegant game. 
Just four it dudes, is. shoot the zombies, get to the next place. No fucking cards, no fucking equipment. It's just shoot the zombies. I mean, I think that's what happens when, like, uh, th there's that, uh, you know, that Valve je ne sais quoi that they put on everything they have. And we, yeah. without that there, without whatever the, the, <laughs> the spirit of Gabe Newell, then the, the project just, I guess, couldn't, couldn't work. I think it's just good direction. Is this Valve special source? It's just someone, someone there who says, "Yes, this will work, and this will not." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's like someone who actually knows how to make the tough choices, and nine out of ten times, those choices are the right choices. Yeah. I've met Gabe Newell, and he always seems like a seems like a kind of person who's unafraid to draw the line. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess you kind of need at the head of a studio, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you're the the sweet old fi figurehead, then you kind of have to be the one to to have the final say, and you live or die by that sword. You can't succeed without making a few tough decisions and disappointing a few people. Yeah, I mean, it's funny of, how the number of game oh. projects Valve's probably started and never finished is probably astronomic from what I know of how they work. I mean, I can't I can't imagine because people always joke like, oh, they what have they been doing for the last decade? It's like if you don't think that there have been games in development far along in the development that have eventually yeah. gotten canned like it's i i would i would be fascinated with a tell-all of like all the things that never happened from valve um and you brought up uh ukulele earlier and that's yes. an interesting example that kind of came at a time when uh the the 3d collectathon platforming genre died for all intents and purposes for a while mm. um you know, it kind of it, it bloated on the Nintendo 64 until you know we got like Banjo Tooie and and uh, uh, Donkey Kong 64, and then Psychonauts had a lot of money put into it and came out and wasn't able to recoup its costs, and for a very long time it fell out of vogue. You know, aside from Nintendo, no one was making these 3D character platformers, mm. and then Ukulele felt like this breath of fresh air. Like finally, they're going back to this thing I liked from my childhood, and it came out and it was kickstarted, and it wasn't great. Um, However, in the time since then, it feels like, I don't know if it's because everything is cyclical or if because that generation grew up and had kids and wanted to pass games onto them, but we've gotten some pretty good 3D character platformers in the time since then. Like, not only from Psychonauts 2 coming out and, and more Mario games, but like you mentioned how great Hat in Time is. In well, terms I always of felt like... that was more of a, a Mario-influenced game, and Mario, as you say, has been going strong this whole time. Yeah, well, I, I uh, guess how, it's sort what of. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean, Mario influence? Other than like, how is that not like a? Had in time. Had in time feels close to something like Mario Sunshine. Okay. In that We're... it is technically a collectathon, but well, I guess it, as you say, it, there's a je ne sais quoi about it. Yeah, and I guess we're like Nintendo. I think it's like that it's. The... I think that it's marginally more structured. There's a lot of structured yeah. challenges in Mario Sunshine and Hat in Time. Whereas, yeah, whereas um, the collectathon, it seems like the the driving force is here's a bunch of shit in a world, go get yeah. it. And that doesn't seem like what Mario games like. Mario games are very much like here is a new tool you have, and we want you to express yourself with this tool across this environment. Yeah, well, that's a Zelda game, certainly. I guess, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, as you say, things are out of favor with the mascot platformer when Ukulele was announced, and maybe that's why these kickstarted things never seem to work out because they're products of their time and the industry has just moved on. I think 3D mascot platformers died out because 
they weren't very good initially. 3D platforming was always a tricky proposition. Mm -hmm. And mascot platformers fell off fairly quickly into the into the age of uh, 3D game design. Yeah, and I don't like kids these well kids these that all, that also sounded like the oldest man sentence I've ever said kids these days. But it feels like kids gravitate towards stuff like um you know like Fortnite and Roblox and these things that are like filled with this and kids don't need like a yeah. cute plushy thing to to latch on to in order to get themselves into gaming. Um like kids don't need that cute avatar. 3D platforming's kind of hard to get right because 3D platforming can get very frustrating very easily when you're having yeah. to, uh, you know, navigate in 3D space like a, an, an airborne object that's hard to position relative to the objects around it. Yeah, that's what I found so fascinating about that Help High game you reviewed earlier this year because it feels like yeah. they nailed the locomotion and just the aesthetics were just yeah, like, it's why just did you do this? Like, vile. Like it seems like you got the hard part done and completely fumbled the ball when it came to the easy part. Well, it was a German game. They're weird, those lads. They're weird <laughs> the about their poo jokes. The they are. Sorry, SVS Guru. It's true, though. I think SVS Guru knows that's true. Um, what do you think about... Uh, so, obviously, we were talking about these were sort of like the Kickstarter things, but um, kind of like the family tree of spiritual successors when it comes to certain things like... Um, you know, Thief branching out to, to Dishonored and System Shock branching out to Bioshock, which is now branching out to that to that Judas game. Like, do you do you get do you look at a game differently when you see when you can kind of trace its pedigree lineage back to one of those formative games that it's it's um, you know spiritually sort of calling back to? Um, I suppose. I remember thinking after I played Bioshock Infinite. Uh, that if you uh, that it maybe sort of look at System Shock Two in a different light, because uh, Bioshock Infinite ended with this whole premise about how all these sorts of games sort of are based around the same starting premise. Dude arrives in a weird, uh, like decaying utopia, uh -huh. and uh, has to jolly well sort it out. But um, yeah, there's a difference between what we're talking about with the, you know, the spiritual successes that are the premise and games that have just uh, built upon the example of previous games. I mean, there was a yeah, there was a comment I just saw that uh, made a lot of sense. Uh, Summerleth says Kickstarter precludes the ability to change the design as you're going along. I think that's that a good true. point. Yeah. When you when you promise like an example, an experience exactly like what you, well, what you remember then you sort of uh, bound yourself. And uh, mm -hmm. a really creative person uh, probably wants their work to evolve as they go along. This is why I have uh, very dismal hopes for the Silent Hill 2 remake. Yeah. I mean, you can tell from the trailer <laughs> they were just going to, they were basically just recreating key scenes from the game. And I'm yeah, like, it felt like if, using tracing yeah. paper. If you don't let it go in its own direction at times, then the result is going to feel very stagnant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess you're it's almost like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't because if they change too much, I think there will be a a loud contingent of Silent Hill fans who are like how dare you touch this masterpiece? And if they don't change anything, you're going to have a lot of people being like why the fuck did you even make this? Like what's, Maybe they what's should the take a they should take a Final Fantasy 7 remake approach. James Sunderland shows up and there's weird uh continuity ghosts trying to ensure that he uh murders his wife oh shit I, 
I think that'd be great. <laughs> Oops, spoilers. That's fine. Uh, I think that'd be great. I think that's like probably in my mind best case scenario for if you have to do this thing, this is how you do it. Like put an actual interesting spin on it. This um, was like uh, adaptation, like adapting, yeah, the world, but also sort of making it about the fact that you're adapting it. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's also examples of these where it feels like uh, it feels like you have a developer looking at a kind of like a vacuum that someone is leaving with their with their idea and being like well we can come in here like there's mm. there's space for us to come in here and do this and i feel like the city skylines is a good example of that where sim city kind of shit the bed you know especially uh you know with with ea and the always online and the origin stuff and that like kind of ruined a a what was once one of the biggest franchises in pc gaming and then city skylines came along and was like well we'll just do mm the thing that everyone loved about your game but we'll just do it differently over here and take out all the bullshit that people hated um which i kind of respect like it's one of those if the original creators aren't going to do the thing someone stepping in and, and filling the void yeah it's worth remembering that just being an original creator doesn't necessarily give you the qualifications to make a new game no, suddenly the we, suddenly the name peter molyneux popped into my head mm. i wonder why i think yeah being an original creator who's like used to making games from like older eras of games sort of mires you in that era mm -hmm. and you struggle to sort of bring things new in ways that as you say an indie creator who's just being influenced by you is not similarly hampered i think people you know give too much credit to people just for being the original creator of something ideas ain't worth shit especially in a, like a industry like gaming where a whole bunch of people have to realize your vision well, and especially, yeah, especially, and in a medium that keeps evolving so rapidly, like you can, if you are an author who's been writing books for 40 or 50 years, like someone like Corinth McCarthy, you you still have all the tools at your disposal to write something that is in direct conversation with what you wrote 40 years ago. You see this in movies too, like when Clint Eastwood made Unforgiven, it was a Western that was in direct conversation with his iconic Western roles from 30 years before that, like the, the, the man with no name trilogy. Um, whereas with games, like you don't like things have evolved so rapidly since the nineties that mm. like, if someone like Inafune was, was amazing at making games in the late eighties, early nineties, that doesn't necessarily mean that person has the tools to adapt those ideas into what is expected from games in you know 2020 and and uh honestly that's i think you see fewer and fewer developers who have withstood that test of time like you know as much as we make fun of him because he's a big weirdo like kojima is one of the few mm. who've you know managed to start out in the 80s with an idea and not only like evolved with the times but helped the times themselves evolve in video games like helped push the medium forward I think with Kojima, he was always uh, before his time. With his original Metal Gears, he was always trying to work in all these crazy ideas for like uh, flexibility of playstyle that he can mm -hmm. now realize now that technology has caught up with him. It's like you know, developers have sort of a uh, uh, an area a period when they're in their prime. Yeah, and for some people, like it's like some ways into their career. Yeah. I think uh, I think Kojima is a case of he sort of reached his prime with uh, the Metal Gear Solid series. Mm -hmm. The Metal Gears before then were sort of uh, a lot more niche, not so well known, which didn't stop him like making Metal Gear Solid a direct sequel and filling it with references no one else would fucking understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But, you know, he's, I guess he's just got the sort of charisma that you just want to go with. Mm-hmm. And say, yes, take me with you on your magical ride to Wonderland, Peter Pan. And you see that when, like, when he gets ousted from Konami, he takes a bunch of his creative leads with him, and they follow him as opposed to staying at Konami and, and doing Death Stranding, which in itself feels like a game that, you know, <laughs> it, it pulls a lot from the same, you know, pool of ideas that he had it, all the way back some- from the 80s. But it's still something new. He was never content yeah. to just keep making the same shit. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, here's Stone Serpent, you know, running through his his base and and uh, you know, fighting his twin brother. Uh, he Hid- he tried yeah. to do something different. Hideo Kojima is the success, where Peter Molyneux is the failure. Because Peter uh, Molyneux had the yeah. vision, he just uh, couldn't quite manage the practicalities of it. Yeah, couldn't like, keep his see- feet on the ground. Like, even a place like, uh, you know, when you look at Nintendo and you look at someone like Miyamoto, like, Miyamoto has taken a massive step back in terms of, like, he is not hands-on creative with those games. Like, Miyamoto does not make Mario games, does not make Zelda games. Um, But he sees an overall vision, and he works Mm -hmm. on Nintendo's new ventures, like the theme park and, like, the movie and everything. And so I, I feel like that's almost a step that also makes sense. Like, instead of being like, I am going to continue to direct this thing. Yeah, I know. I think, I, think we've hit, I think we've hit upon the answer there. Why so many of these, quote, spiritual successes are shit. Because in order to have the intention to do that and post it on Kickstarter or something requires a certain kind of ego that can't really yeah. adapt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is... Uh, yeah, I guess we're 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 seeing now almost in real time. We're learning that fact, and I guess we learned it through that Kickstarter boom, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, whenever it was, of mm-hmm. um, how how this is like a constantly evolving medium, and and it's very difficult to keep up with the times. Shall we go to Super Jets? We last, shall. Yeah, last slightly something else of the year to so get those Super Jets in. Without spoiling it, do you think the Callisto Protocol surpassed its originals? No. All right. And I Tune in Wednesday for Z- And I wasn't terribly impressed by the originals. Oh, no. Did you not like Dead Space 2? Well, I guess it felt like it was uh, cribbing off too much from Resident Evil 4. And you do have a lot of Resident Evil 4 love, so I, I get that. certain aspects of the plot felt a little bit off to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, in retrospect... I mean, having played Callisto Protocol, I can uh, certainly appreciate a lot more about Dead Space. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an interesting case, too, because Callisto Protocol is the might be the only example of this where you get the spiritual successor and a straight-up remake of the thing in the same... I'm sure this has happened before. I'm trying to remember. Two months? Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, maybe like I mean, uh, when uh, Phoenix Point came out alongside the new XCOMs that Fire Access yeah. was, was putting out. Yeah, yeah, and I guess we're getting like a game like 
Judas from the Bioshock team, but also a new System Shock game, which if we're actually getting that, I don't know if that's real. I keep hearing rumors real. about that. First they're remaking System Shock 1, then they're remaking System Shock 2, and it's all, we're all, now, then they're just making a straight System Shock sequel. Feels like we're getting lied to. Feels like sort it out, everyone. Yeah. Alright, we'll get, get those super chats together. in. Last chance, because next week's our week off. Yay! We won't be back for another two weeks, so this is for your last chance to give us money while we respond in a snarky unimpressed manner well, I and we'll spend it we'll spend it on on, on holiday pudding all right liquid cow starts us off with five british pounds and says can't watch live but here's something to say thanks for the show this past year and happy solstice also hello to jason isaacs jason isaacs the the actor the yeah that last Lucius bit Malfoy? that last bit is a reference to a running gag done by Mark Kermode on his movie show that started on BBC Radio 5 but now has its own podcast thing, I think. Bad form to quote other people's running gags, Liquid Cow. Oh, I thought it was great. I love Jason Isaacs. Great actor. Do we well have done, running Jason. gags? Um, probably. Uh, we talked about Willow a bunch. Financial <laughs> domination to- sort of turned into one. <laughs> Anyway, I feel like we end up turning our running gags into content because we talked about Willow enough that we ended up streaming Willow. And we talked go. about Jesse learning from God of War enough to where we did a series where Jesse learned from God of War. So, uh, Well, I guess we're just going to monetize all our hobbies. That's <laughs> modern life for you. All right, where were we? Uh, scavenger. The inevitable scavenger comes in with $5 and says, I'll get my two cents in early. Perfect Dark was monumentally better than GoldenEye, but do Dark Souls and Shovel Knight count as spiritual successes? Ah, well, this is before we defined what we were meaning by yeah. spiritual successes. But, uh, yeah, it's a tough, because I, I understand that there's like, you know, people were, uh, uh, it's a broad definition, and so people yeah, yeah. were like, the Dark Souls games. But yeah. as, we, as we say, everything's sort of a spiritual successor because of, you know, timelines, progress, events happening before other events. Yeah, yeah. Everything learns from everything that came before it. Mm-hmm. SVS Go 2000 gives five euros, says, if you are going to replay the Half-Life series, will you replace Half-Life 1 with Black Mesa? Well? Yes. We are. The plan is to start Casey off on Black Mesa. That seems like the that makes sense, right? I think you should you? start with Half Life One. I think you should oh, do them no. in release order. Half Life One, Opposing Force. Oh, we're not doing all that. Oh, you got to do Opposing Force. Opposing Force like a whole other game. Can't see you're you're complicating everything. Our plan Look, is just I'm... to do Black Mesa, Half Life Two, Episode One and Two, and then maybe some Portal stuff. I feel like I'm probably one of the biggest Half Life fans on the crew yeah you are absolutely the biggest i'm gonna say if you want to introduce someone to it you got to start with the original not fucking half-life source fuck fuck knows the original gold source version and then opposing force maybe blue shift if you got time then half-life 2 then the episodes then black mesa so you can appreciate the influence that the source engine had on the recreation of half-life so there one of our one of our other ideas for what to stream was going to be Kingdom Hearts, and I was like, "That's too complicated. We can't do Kingdom Hearts. There's too many games. Let's do Half Life. It's simple." And then it turns out it's not simple at all. Now people are like, "Alex, do we got to put Casey? Do, does he have to stream in VR? Do we have to put him in a VR prison?" Well, it's not for everyone. Also, I'd say you should throw in some of the uh, the fan made total conversions to Half Life as well. Maybe a bit of uh, they hunger. 
a bit of uh what was it called what is uh, day hunger is that like horror the Zeno project yeah someone made, made like a zombie game out of half-life cool it wasn't that good but you know they did it we're devoting times that the casey has a family he's he's time he has playing a game that's not good is time he has away from his child ah but the more weeks you have to go through the same series of half-life games the longer you can put off having to come up with a new thing to play that is that is true and nick loves doing stretch goals there you, nick, go. you just keep stretching that line we love the stretch yeah well yeah we're only at 4.81 percent get your dosh in we can uh, stretch dosh, all dosh. the expansion packs in that we want uh bs marsh gives two dollars and says the dragon age series surpassed Baldur's gate no well mm. that's uh that's gonna spark a debate yeah that feels like uh i i feel like that's like uh an eternal debate right yeah them 2d uh, crpg purists gonna get up your ass yeah we can't get them we gotta we gotta keep them out of our ass they can't uh, uh, yeah i don't know if i don't know what amy's two cents in is then because amy's world's number one dragon age fan um also um, i believe we skipped a message from scavenger i'll get my two cents in early oh did we did you see that want me to read it up i have it on my thing maybe he deleted it i don't know because i copy and paste messages as i go along no we, well, did, that one. No, we did that one i'll get my two Wait. cents in early oh dark oh fuck where was i i don't know where were you i don't know i started you started talking about half-life and i got all worried i got the sweats yeah, that was, i got, that meat, was, that I got the, the meat sweats that was SVS gurus and then there was PS Marsh. And that was TM558, who says, who gives $5 and says, since it's the end of the year, is there going to be an extra punctuation compilation alongside the ZP one? Well, Great I don't question. think there was a plan for that. I don't think there was a plan for that. No, there's definitely a ZP compilation in the works. Huh? Okay. Can't confirm. Well, you, that's inevitable now. People And also, this. I don't know, I don't even know if you knew, know this, but the ZP com pump compilations are being turned into Spotify playlists. So you I can just know listen that. to them if you yeah. want. But people love to have their white noise to fall asleep to. Yeah. And apparently do that's you, what my voice turns into after four hours. Do you think anyone's going to use that as background noise during intimacy time? If they do, I do not want to hear about it. Okay. Never mind. Don't, don't send any super chats about that, please. Or do. James Matchett gives $10. I like the little crispus snowflake effects that gets added to the super chat graphic incidentally it says this holiday season has been rough after my dad passed last christmas oh way to bring the mood down james matchett hey, my guys. dad passed through last christmas yeah you're not special james matchett you were totally a lot special. of people's dads died thankfully you guys have been putting out amazing content that has made it all more bearable thank you both for the silver lining uh thank you so much james and i'm, I'm sorry for your loss and it gets it gets a little bit better there you go uh snake in the garden gives two euros and says war for overworld stroke dungeon keeper just not as tight uh yeah there's there's a lot of especially games of like that older era it felt like there were a lot of things that were directly cribbing from other things whether it's from the same uh uh same developer or same uh, mm. uh same teams dungeon keeper is a sort of thing you don't see much of these days isn't it that particular genre yeah, you would think that that would become like a, you know, somehow yeah. find a niche or someone, some bigger studio would do a... I feel like gameplay-wise, Evil Genius was sort of the successor to that. And there was an Evil Genius yeah. too, but it didn't, I don't think it, you know, lit the world ablaze. There was actually one of the games at the, uh, one of the games at the Game Awards they showed off was, uh, it was looked like first-person Dungeon Keeper. 
where it's like a first person shooter, but the other people are creating like the, the okay. sort of layouts and the puzzles and stuff. So. Dungeon Keeper had a first person mode. You could like possess one of your minions and walk oh, around your dungeon cool. in first person. It looked like that's crap, cool. but it was there. <laughs> Snake in the Garden gives two euros. There's also still prefer Bullfrog to new two point games. Um, yeah. yeah. Sick the, Transit the, Gloria Mundy, Snake in the Garden. <laughs> yeah, the, the theme theme park and theme hospital compared to Two Point Hospital and Two Point Campus. Ah, uh, you're probably just nostalgic. Go and like replay one of the old ones and like see how much proof of life upgrades there have been in the intervening years. You'll probably be surprised. Yeah, that is true. Tommy Salty gives 25 PLNs. And says, I know you may not be into RTS games, but Supreme Commander, a spiritual successor to Total Annihilation, is much better than the original. If you say so, as you say, I'm not really into RTS. Neither am I. But I know people love Supreme Commander, so there you go. Ooh, and then Jumbly Wobbly. The great Jumbly Wobbly. Member for 31 months. Holy moly. On credit. Who says, Yahtzee, you win a game award to be presented by a doddering Olivier Award-winning Sir Patrick Stewart. Do you give in or stand your ground and pull off a Brando? Jumbly Wobbly, I am never going to win a game award. That is one particular stressor that will never occur. You're my trending gamer of the year. I haven't been trending in a long time. What if Al Would you enjoy if Al Pacino presented you with an award? I'd, be, I'd feel very awkward. I'm like, why the <laughs> fuck are you talking to me? Can I leave, please? Can I go back to the gutter where I belong? Uh, SVSCO2000 gives five euros. Says, I'd expand the definition to include games by other people and games the audience considers spiritual successes, like City Skylines and Project Wingman. Well, we'll be here Wingman. all day, SVSCO2000. <laughs> Is Project Wingman... I don't know. What's Project, Project Wingman? I don't know. I'm looking. Is that like Ace Combat? Or is uh, that Wing Crimson Commander? Skies or something? Yeah, it could be. Oh, it's like real fighter jets. It looks like it's uh, uh, Ace Combat. Oh, okay. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me again. Oh, no. But Django gives $5 and says, Dennis Dyack and the Eternal Darkness sequel is a fairly big failure story from Kickstarter. Can't imagine it would have lived up to the OG. Kickstarter is yeah. a mine of failure stories. Just go look for video essays on Kickstarter cock-ups. I'm sure there's multiple channels that have done entire series out of Kickstarter cock-ups. I feel like you can count the gaming uh, the gaming successes on one or two hands, and the failures are uncountable. Because as I say, when you have funding without having to answer to a publisher, who mm -hmm. are mostly bastards, it's true, but at least sort of, you know, keep the reins on, or they create a from getting a bit too over the top. Yeah. Then and, this is and, what the, then the result is chaos. Yeah. You need a and, very specialized talent to be able to rein in their creativity and actually produce something. And especially when you see someone like Dennis Dyack and how his projects, you know, while Eternal Darkness was incredible, every everything since Two Human, including Two Human, has been a yeah. bit of a debacle. I'm not sure there has been anything besides Two Human since I think Human. a lot of attempts at things. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scavenger gives $10 and says, Hat in Time, according to the description, was a love letter to Wind Waker. Plus, with the new funding goal, can't wait for the stream of that spiritual successor, Hunt Down the Freeman. Oh, yes. That'd put things in perspective. What's Hunt Down the um, Freeman? 
I'm not sure where they got Wind Waker from, but uh, I guess it's one of those cases where they had a starting template and then it sort of evolved over time. I mean, very visually, much... it, it has a it kind of looks like Wind Waker, but gameplay-wise, it's no, not no, like Wind Waker. No, 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 no. It's uh, yeah. very much a sort of uh, Mario Sunshine-style hub-based collectathon platformer with lots of platforming and platforming challenges. Yeah, Wind Waker, you are not platforming. You're sailing in no. seven seas. No game where you run off a ledge to jump and don't actually have a dedicated jump button can be called a platformer. This is true. Uh, G apostrophe gives thirty a dollars and says spiritual sequel Bloodstain comes to mind. Winky face. Aww. Oh, guess looks like someone showed up late. Do you think that G stood for the G in Igarashi? Do you think that's Igarashi? Who is yeah, known sure. to donate in Australian dollars? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I mean Australia, you, Japan. You, it's the same uh, latitude, isn't time, it? Time zone ish. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Igarashi son. Is it latitude or longitude? Uh, longitude. Latitude. I always think of because it's like the rungs on a ladder. So oh, they go east that's west. a good way to remember yeah. it. Yeah, that's the only way I remember. Uh, how do you remember stalactites and stalagmites? Oh, I don't. <laughs> I just I use both of them interchangeably. <laughs> well, for me, stalactite. Uh, has a C because they they stick to the ceiling, and you say tight because if you see a gorgeous lady in tights, what do you do? You pull the tights down. So stalactites point down. Jesus, <laughs> my my ladder one is way nicer. Well, you I'm won't just forget. Ignorant of stalactites and stalagmites. You won't forget now. The purple marauder gives twenty uh, Norwegian kroners. And says, Nick told me to do this. Also, keep up the good work. Well, it's nice to know he has an influence. He does. Nick, you are the trendy gamer of the year in my mind. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Alex James, member for five months. Controversial opinion. Back for blood. Greater than left for dead. Well, that is a controversial opinion, Alex James. That is absolutely a controversial opinion. I don't no. think anyone thinks that. I don't even think the developers think that. No wonder you're still only an early access member. What, what did that mean? I'm just saying that if he had any sense, he'd have gone to a higher tier by now. I think you're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. John Connor gives five Canadian dollars and says, by popular demand, is pooping the spiritual successor to a fart? I That's almost, actually a pretty good question. I, well done, John Connor. I almost laughed because I said poop. That's is that all it took? It happens sometimes. Yeah. I'm sure the chat will be happy to fill you in on the booby booby bum bum situation. Uh <laughs> the booby booby bum bum incident? Yes, the booby booby bum bum incident. I'll say no more. I'll leave it to the everyone else. Uh, it's not you? my responsibility to maintain my own legacy. I'm going to die someday. Someone else is must pass on the story of Booby Booby Bum Bum. Is this preference? Is this a reference to uh, more lore? 
more escapist yeah, it's, lore. It's Yahtzee lore. Yeah. Scavenger gives $5 and says, last minute gifts for gamers, three each, go. Oh my god. You don't, you're not the boss of me, Scavenger. Piss off. You're the boss get, of me. Uh, get them a Meta Quest 2. That's all three uh, gifts in one. That's too much. That's too much for the gamers. Uh, uh, Game Pass. A Game Pass subscription. A lot of great games. Uh, there's a book that came out this year called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by uh, Gabrielle Zevin. That is a fictional book about um, uh, these two uh, game developers and their rise throughout the throughout the 90s and the aughts. And oh, and get, get them a meal kit subscription as well. Because uh, I, appre yeah. I always appreciate meal kit uh, vouchers because it means I don't have to worry about what I'm going to make for dinner and distracting go. myself from all the lovely video games I have to play. There you go. And get him a, a set of nunchaku uh, to, to ward off invaders. You know nunchaku are very impractical weapons. Yeah, I feel like you'd hurt yourself. Absolutely, yeah, like a weapon. Yeah, people have like uh, tried them out in, you know, assessment settings and they are very, very inefficient. Because mm -hmm. like you might as well just learn how to wield a great big stick. That's because Michelangelo, <clears throat> Michelangelo doesn't know shit. Hunter Roge gives $50. $50? No less. He gets a maroon colour for his super chat and says, Happy Ooh. holidays all. Thanks for all the content. Hope everyone is doing well. Thank you so much, Hunter. But then he got completely overshadowed by Family Guy, who gave us, <coughs> clear my throat for this one, £250. Oh, wow. Impossible Family 250 Guy. 250 British pounds. That's like 11,000 American dollars. That that is that is single-handedly met the goal. So we're we're playing all of the Half-Life games, including all the weird ones you just mentioned. Yes, I will dedicate them to you, Family Guy, yes. who says, "Merry Christmas, chaps! Have a good one, and thanks for the content." If there was one game stroke genre that could get you excited for a modern spiritual successor, what would it be? I'd love a Free Space Two-style mission-based space combat sim. One thing. I am really so I'm at the part in the spiritual successor cycle where I'm excited for something and I will inevitably be disappointed for it is a okay. game coming out next year called Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. And it is a spiritual successor to the um Jet Set Radio games. That's which were two games that's I a, adored. That's a really bad title. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk is a very bad title. I agree. If I ever review that, I'm going to abuse the shit out of that title in the course of okay. review. It is abusable in so many wonderful ways. It's not even you can't even like BRC, like there's no even like acronym that works for it. Um, no. And you, but, you could like uh, you could put all those elements of that title in random order, and it would have precisely the same effect. Yeah, cyberfunk bomb rush. Yeah, rush cyberfunk yes, bomb. It's, it's, yeah. it's worse than hard space shipbreaker. Uh, it's that's it's the hard space shipbreaker of, of 2023. So this is this is true. That's a pretty bad title. As for um, me, I'd like a game that feels like uh, the Thief Two. So. Mm. I'm looking forward to when Gloomwood comes out of early access. Yeah, I heard some pretty good things about that. Prize Fighter 26 gives $5 and says, It probably tends to be hard to pin down what's worth changing when people love the originals warts and all. Well, quite, mm -hmm. Prize Fighter 26. As we say, the very nature of the format sort of uh, precludes the blueprint evolving over time. Yeah, especially if you were the one who created that initial blueprint um so i remember when we happy few was kickstarted everyone was like oh this seems like a good idea and then it was obvious on the fun playing the game that in development they realized oh shit this doesn't work at all well and they like showed one of the big reveals once they got gobbled up by microsoft was like a, a, a single player story trailer that looked like a bioshock game 
and everyone was like, this is what we want, and that was not the game that they were making. And so they're like, oh, shit, now we have to figure out like mm. how we how we put more of this in there. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Engineering gives $20. Says spiritual success is just another way of saying derivative in this reporter's humble opinion. Ooh. Not to say they can't be better. Happy holidays, escapist. You've been more entertaining to me than anything else this year. <sighs> well, thank you so much, Kelly. More there has to be something more entertaining. More entertaining than Elon Musk taking over Twitter. That's been, I'm going to be honest, it's been pretty funny. Last, the yeah, last couple weeks that's been, been pretty, pretty fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, been, that's been pretty funny. Where are you going to go? Hive? Mastodon? Truth Social? I'm just going to start uh, writing my thoughts and putting them in bottles and throwing them into the sea. I thought I might step up my Goodreads presence. So, you know, emphasize the books a bit more. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What social media are you going to, like, go to like the rats from a sinking ship? Rapster. Uh, hot Creamy Fart gives $5 and says, What's the line between spiritual successor and inspired by? Like Mighty Number no. 9 versus Stardew Valley. Mogworld is better than Ready Player One. Merry Christmas. Well, I wouldn't say Mogworld is much like Ready Player One, but I'll take the compliment. Yeah, I feel like comparing to Ready Player One is an insult. <coughs> um, yeah, I mean, Stardew well, Valley... Stardew Valley is, wasn't is... made by the original creators of Harvest Moon. Would be a good start. Yeah, but it was clearly heavily inspired by... And you get a lot of indie games that are like that, right? Like the yeah, Bug yeah. Fables was yeah, clearly a take yeah, on, on, uh, Paper Mario, on Paper Mario. Yeah. War Groove was armored... Uh, Advanced Wars. Yeah, as you say, people learn the right lessons without being shackled to the original. Yep. Yeah, and the, uh, I mean, obviously you can, your definition of it, you can use whatever definition you want. Just yeah, for, we, for the we, sake of brevity, we kind of kept yeah. it to that. We had one specific definition in mind, but uh, let's yeah. not get in, turn this into a big semantic debate. No. Rick Vicious gives member for 12 months, says, Hey boys, thank you for the amazing content as always. In a Zoob voice, Yats, tell us your current favourite game. Ooh, Zoob. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say what my favourite game from this year was, because you'll have to watch my top fives when Zero when Punctuation gets around to it. Zoob. It's a uh, entity from my Galaxy for Food books. Gotcha. That was a very terrible. I didn't like that voice. I'm gonna be honest. I'm, I'm not a fan of Zoob. Oh, is there something very disquieting about doing voices like this? I also don't like it because it's just one of my favorite things backward, which is booze. Booze. Without booze. the e though. Izoob. Yeah. Izoob. That's, e that's, that's the Zoob that uh, Steve Jobs brought out. The e <laughs> Yeah. Jackson Jewell, member for six months in early access, says most sequels struggle to surpass. Ooh, um, that's not true. There's, there's plenty of sequels that are better than originals. I mean, if you're talking about spiritual sequels, then maybe. But uh, there's plenty of actual sequels that surpass the original because that's... That's the point when the creators have sort of uh, shaken the cobwebs off and figured they're onto a good thing and brought in the really interesting ideas. Yeah, right. I mean, we, we, we talk about it a lot, how there's there was like generations where the original was like a neat yeah. idea and then the sequel was absolutely just took that idea and ran with it. The entire in, Super Nintendo was built on that. In movies as well, I think there are plenty of examples of trilogies where the second film is often yeah. regarded the best and the third one is where things tail off a bit. Yeah. The Dark Knight trilogy, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man's... Godfather. 
the Godfather trilogy. Yeah. Gremlins. I don't think there's a Gremlins 3. There should be a Gremlins They're, they're probably working on it. You know what? Yeah. You know what people are with their nostalgic IPs these days. People love their gizmo. Palash T gives four ninety nine and says, "Marty doesn't know what hunt down the Freeman is." No, it's because I'm too busy. I'm too busy kissing girls. Uh, no, I don't know what that is. I, I'm not a PC. I'm not a PC player. Like really? the only Half Life stuff. I didn't play Half Life until. Um, when, I don't even know when I played the first Half Life, but I played most of my Half Life stuff in the orange box. I reviewed Hunt Down the Freeman. It was, I remember describing it as my officially my worst game from the entire 2010s. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. What, is it a mod? Is it, it's, yeah, it's uh... a fan-made mod for Half-Life that was sold on Steam and therefore with Valve's tacit approval. And it was atrociously bad. Fundamentally broken and uh, just all the ways awful in every way you can imagine. And the it's fact that Valve tacitly endorsed mixed. it made it all the worst. The developer has not made anything else since then. Good. He's got a lot of reviews. Good, I hope he kills himself. No. Hunt for the Freeman. I hope you're doing okay. Merry Christmas. SVS Guru 2000 gives five euros and says, Stalag tight, tits, and tits hang. Stalag might, the opposite of Stalag tight. I think my one worked better, Stalactite. No, not exactly. They both were terrible. They were both awful. I regret bringing up the ladder thing because I thought latitude and ladder was nice, and then everyone just ruined everything. In the in the the, the month of Rudolph, you all ruined everything. Jackson Jewel gives five dollars and says, "My dad always spends about five times what I can afford for Christmas. What should I get him? Thank you for the help. Happy holidays." You should get a lovely oh, card and write a very heartfelt do? thank you poem in it. Yeah. Get him, uh, get him a, a nice aged Gouda. A smoked Gouda. Dads love cheese, right? Do dads love cheese? Dads love cheese. Make, make a handcrafted present. There's, there's absolutely no amount of money that can beat that. Make a little papier-mâché model of his face. Yeah, do that. Or the aged Gouda. You could do one Make a other. model of his face out of aged Gouda. Oh my god. There we are. Uh, Wesley Thomas uh, gives two Canadian dollars and says, 250 pounds of what? Oh, big talk for someone who could only scrape up two fucking bucks. <laughs> Thank you, Wesley. Those are Canadian bucks. Those are worth like at least three American dollars. 250 British pounds. The best currency. It's not the best currency, is it? That's why they're called pound sterling. You don't say dollar sterling, do you? Okay. No one looks at dollars and says, why, that's a sterling currency you've got there. Only no, pounds no, are called pound sterling, and only Britain is called Great Britain. So, fuck you. Uh, I mean, that is, that is true. Only Britain is called Great Britain. Truth be told, actually. There's got to be another country with great in it, right? Greater, mm, nope. greater and lesser Antilles are those things. I think so. Yeah, might have made that up. There's Great actually. America, a theme park. There's a theme park called Great America. I'm not actually that jingoistic. Uh, I kind of hate <laughs> Britain. I kind of hated living there. That's why I. That's why I've lived literally anywhere else for the last twenty years. <laughs> Love Thatcher, though. You're a big Thatcher head. Yes, I have a yeah. picture on my wall. Just in yeah. front of the dartboard. 
Yeah. Oh no, Thatcher. Sky Captain. Mines again. Sky Captain two hundred one gives ten dollars, and says, "Try the podcast, Fable Fellas, hosted by Carter Allen over the holidays. Readings of stories that the Grimm's fairy tales spiritually succeeded. That is draft one fairy tales. Happy holidays. I've read enough Neil Gaiman to know that the original Grimm's fairy tales were all incredibly fucked up. They were. This is true. I do like fairy tales though. That is a Fable Fellas. I like that." Did I ever tell you um, the original story of Sleeping Beauty? Mm, no, does it involve kissing without consent? I feel like I have brought it up uh, live at some point. Maybe not with you. But the original Sleeping Beauty story, uh, the prince doesn't wake her with a kiss. No, he, uh, I don't like this. I don't, we don't need that. Well, basically, he does something, and the something doesn't even wake her up. The, what wakes her up is that she gets pregnant from the something, gives birth to twins, and the twins crawl up her body looking for a nipple to suck, and one of them sucks the poison needle out of her finger. And that's what wakes her up. Because no one knew it was the needle, I guess. Isn't he? Why would you? Why would you assume that? Uh, yeah, I like the Disney version better. Are there still dwarves in that one? That's Snow White. Oh, Snow shit, White I, was thinking, I was absolutely thinking You're thinking of, of Snow White and the Huntsman. I was talking about Sleeping Beauty. Mm. Can't yeah, you even tell the sleeping princess woken up with by the kiss of a prince stories? Fake ass Kingdom Hearts fan right here. Can't you even tell them apart? Yeah, a bunch of white women. Uh, Damien Glenn, member for 12 months in bonus content, says stalactites hang tight to the ceiling. Stalagmites you might trip over. Well, thanks for the boring option. No, but the problem there is stalactites uh, come tightly out of the ground, stalagmites you might fall your head from, off. You from the sky. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. So, help. Yeah. I still think the tights uh, nope. comparison nope. is what will nope. keep it in your mind. Just, nope. Just, let's roll. Just, you know that like bit in the opening cinematic of Silent Hill 3 where there's like two dangling legs wearing tights like partially yes. concealed by a curtain? Just, yeah. uh, just think of that when you think of stalactites. tights. Think yeah, of those dangling legs me. wearing tights. I'm never going to go into a cave again. Well, if that's a good idea, if you're uh, that dude who got stuck in a cave. The 127 hours guy? The guy Flo got no, no, no. Floyd something. Internet historian just did a really long video about it. Floyd something? Did he ever make it out of the cave? No. That's the, that's the, fun, that's the fun of the story. That doesn't seem fun. It seems like he died after, in there. After, well, after like... 60 days of rescue efforts he never made it out of the cave oh. and i'd like uh, it was it was fun to see internet historian did a video on it because i actually already knew the story because i'd heard the dollop podcast on the subject so i was like oh, oh hey i know this there you go that's me just swinging my obscure historical knowledge peen there yeah, John Stamos good. gives two dollars <throat> and says also does stanley parable hold up never played it yes it does download it now Mm, it does. Yeah, it's great. Especially the new version is great too. All sorts of new stuff. So even if you've played the original, go, yeah. go and play the new one. It's got In all fact, sorts of goodies. Playing the original is almost necessary for playing the new the new version with all the extra stuff yeah. that references a lot of stuff from the original. You also I think I think you skipped two of them, including another one with John Stamos that actually was was about another game and another one about Oh, So I did. What are, what are we doing? How are there more select So I did. John Stamos gives five dollars and says, I'm trying to scale down my backlog. Is there any point in playing Mankind Divided, Death Loop, or Guardians of the Galaxy if I've played similar ones? 
Uh, I'd skip um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Deathloop is kind of doing its own thing. I mean, it's not uh, it's not much like 12 Minutes or any of the other loopy games. No. Uh, of, yeah, of those three, I think Deathloop was my favorite, and then Guardians, and then Mankind Divided. Mm, yeah. But it also depends. I don't know like, what the rest of your backlog is. Like, what I are remember, you I remember I feel like Mankind Divided felt pretty unnecessary if you've already played Human Revolution. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Kind of does, doesn't really take the plot anywhere. doesn't really say anything new. Mm-hmm. And John Connor comes in with one last super chat, just as I was saying that. Five Canadian dollars to say, what's the best way to play games? Subscription service, Game Pass, digital, st- digital, Steam, or physical, Disc. Also, happy poop poop holidays. Uh, I mean, in theory, if you want your collection to, to sustain forever and no one to be able to pull things from your libraries then physical would be the way because that is the only true ownership um if you just buy something digitally from steam it could be deactivated if you subscribe to a service things can be removed from the service you're seeing that now with like even hbo max and and removing westworld from the service well i guess Uh, it's yeah for a given value of the best way i mean are we talking in the long term or in the short term you want to play games right right now now Subscription service would probably be the way to go. Oh, yeah, that's what my whole thing was going to be like. That being said, I haven't bought a physical game in 10 years. I no, just me ne- no, me neither. I buy digital, and I love Game Pass. And if they remove stuff from Game Pass, I'm like, man, I don't know. I think the last time last I thing. even had a physical copy of a game was uh, Breath of the Wild. And only because uh, Nintendo sent me a free Switch with the game in it. Yeah. In the box, I mean. Scavenger again comes in at the very last minute with two dollars and says, "And God blesses everyone. Happy holidays." All right, no more super chats. Oh. That's that's a finale. That's really that's really nice. Also, going back to John Connor's thing really quick. We also both of us live in America. We have really good internet. There's lots of places where they don't have great internet. Oh, so that's if you true. Have internet and digital. I certainly great. bought a lot more physical copies when I lived in Australia. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Amy because the internet's shied. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, I think Nick wants us to remind everyone about Patreon. As he says, there's a big Patreon push coming in the new year, so get a, get ahead of the crowd there. You get all kinds of wonderful new bonuses and uh, help us get towards our Patreon goals. Yeah, And it's absolutely. probably the best way to fund us if you are interested in funding us. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you like us that much. Absolutely. Yeah, we met. The uh, recent goal we just met is in the new year. We'll be... Uh, Two of us, Jack and Nick, will be playing uh, a bunch of Sea of Thieves. We're still figuring out the day and timing on that. Might not be the same time as the Pulsar streams, depending. Well, I'll have to be the captain on that one because I'm. I do the best pirate voice. Uh, you yeah, you do. I believe you on the art. You might be the captain. Okay. I think I'm like like nervously pulling on a rope, which seems right because I love nervously pulling on ropes. As long as Nick's the cabin boy. I think Nick he can't just there. he can't swan into our dynamic and expect yeah. to be given equal status. Nick says I will be the drunkard. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, as you can see, our current uh, funding goal is Half Life. So thank you guys so much for that. All right. Well, as this, it might be the last week before Christmas, but that doesn't mean there's not tons of great escapist content coming your way this week. What else we got coming today, for example? Uh, we have a uh, hidden gems for a game that is called Mothership. 
No, Mother Gunship. Mother Gunship. Oh, I think I know Mother Gunship. I think I played that at one point. I've forgotten everything about it. I just know the name. Oh, and it's all in caps. It sounds so angry. A bullet hell FPS where you craft your own guns, fight gigantic bosses, and defeat a robotic alien armada. Seems kind of like Serious Sam, maybe. Okay. A little. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then tomorrow we'll have the recap uh, and and editor's hour. Wednesday we'll have ZP, obviously. We mentioned, of course, uh, by Callista ZP Protocol. of Callista Protocol and the post-ZP yeah. stream at the usual time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Yeah. And then on Thursday I've got an extra punctuation and I will have another extra punctuation coming out the following week because uh, we wanted to keep content rolling over the holidays and that's the thing that takes me the least work. <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't have to play anything for that, right? Yeah, I just have to write up a script and uh, uh, voice it. There you go. So and poor Matt has that in it. Um, yeah, and we'll, as a reminder, we'll be uh, streaming through Thursday this week, um, but then uh, no streams uh, Friday through the weekend, Monday, uh, because of the holiday. And then we're going to have some sparing streams uh, next week on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, hmm. depending on if folks are around and folks want to stream. And then no streams the following weekend, obviously, for um, New Year. But we'll be back in a big way uh, in January, and it'll be very exciting. Yeah. Give us a break. We want to spend time with our families, too. It's Christmas. What did Thomas also said do and what to Nick now? No, Nick yeah. will be fine. It's fine. Yeah. We're just putting him in the brig. Nick's going to, in the brig. Way to kill the mood at the very end, Wesley Thomas. Wesley, I thought you did great. We were about done. But who knows? Someone's got to have their precious last word. Is it tough time? Well, he's been the, here the whole time. <sighs> oh my god, it's always, it's always toffee time. Toffee time, toffee time. Can't get under the shed anymore Cause I shoved a load of bricks Into the gap And now oh, he no. won't get skunked Hopefully <laughs> Oh no I don't want him to get skunked at all That sounds awful See you on Wednesday everyone Bye everybody Bye